It is Victory Monday, January 16th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by Jet Home Loans. And now, a guy who's destined to have a waffle named after him, J.P. Shadrick. Welcome in. It is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. After a wild card win for the Jags, we've got a busy two hours ahead on this Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. It's Vaselli and Prisco. With their reaction to the Jaguars rally, 31-30 the final. Jaguars over the Chargers. It was a 27-0 deficit. The third largest comeback win in the history of the NFL playoffs. And the Jaguars are on to Kansas City for the divisional round next week. It's a Saturday, 4.30 kickoff. We'll get into that game coming up. Fanatics, fan questions. The city of Jacksonville is on fire. So is Jaguars Twitter after the Jaguars win Saturday night at the bank. Let's hear from the head coach immediately after that comeback victory. And, uh, boy, what a win for the Jaguars, and what a win for Doug Peterson. My hat's off to our guys, our team. Um, I told them after the game that, you know, other than obviously winning the Super Bowl uh, a few years ago, greatest coaching victory um, as a team, this one, this one's right up there with it. And, uh, my hat's off to our guys for just battling and, uh, you know, as deep a hole as we dug in the first half, you know, there was, there was, you guys have, you know, been around our team, you know, there's no quit in our guys. And, uh, they did an outstanding job, obviously in the second half and, uh, Riley kicking that ball at the end was, uh, obviously a thing of beauty. Now to the quarterback, four interceptions early in the game four touchdowns after that to rally the team back and after the game he went back to a motivational tactic from early in the season coach showed a video of i don't know if you guys heard of jocko you guys can look it up it's this video he talks about good and it's like no matter what happens that's your response good you know threw four picks in the first half good you know he showed that back in i don't know if it was training camp or during the season maybe when we were on that losing streak i don't know when it was but that's just been our mindset, you know. Then we say it on the sideline, joking around. One of the linemen, I forget who it was, said to me after I threw three or four picks, he was like, "Good." Just looking at him, like, "All right, all right." Not not the time, but you know, it's just it's just the the mindset of this group. And like I said, you can't make a living on on doing it the hard way all the time, but um, it's it's you're gonna have to sometimes. And that we had to tonight, and we, and we were able to get it done. That was one side of the equation for the Jags' comeback, of course. The other side, the defensive performance, and they were fantastic, obviously, in the second half. Foyer Aluk and Jaguars linebacker. It was gradual. I mean, the eyes, I told them, boys, I don't like my eyes, but I love my chances. Like, as long as there's a little probability of winning at all, we're going to keep fighting. And when we saw the thing, the table started turning, we had momentum, we kept that. Just keep getting the ball back to the offense. They started rolling. Um... I, don't, I couldn't pinpoint an exact time, but when we started making them punt, we started scoring. I think that what touched down to Evan maybe over the middle. You know, once we saw we had a, a larger chance, you know, might as well take it. 
Well, of course, all the uh, locker room and postgame comments available on Jaguars.com. What a happy place to be, obviously, Saturday night. Uh, we're on Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jag social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We welcome in Tony Baselli and Pete Prisco, and in the most dramatic way imaginable, the rarest of rare Baselli Prisco double locks came through and remains undefeated. Good. I mean, was there ever a doubt? <laughs> uh, no, there was no doubt. There was no doubt. Once we double lock, we're two and zero oh with double locks now. Uh, by the way, anybody asking? No, I'm not prepared to do a double lock this week. In case you're wondering. Well, in full transparency, uh, Pete might have texted me during the game when we were down 27 <laughs> about our double lock not looking too good. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody was out there cursing you and I got dragged in. So I wanted to make it, I wanted to make it uh, apparent to you that I just was along for the ride. <laughs> That's all it was. Uh, look, Tony said, uh, well, was it 12 weeks ago that, Jackson will be playing maybe even that might even been 15 weeks ago that they would be playing a big nationally televised game on NBC against the Chiefs. He was just he's just a little late with that prediction. That's all because that's what they're going to be doing. I thought it was going to be week nine, Pete. It ended up being week 20, but close enough. Good enough. Good enough. Uh, by the way, I, I looked up this Jocko Good. Uh, hey, uh, Trevor, you throw one more pick and it wasn't going to be good. So I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I get it. It's like, oh, good. You're OK. You can come out from underneath it. I understand that whole premise, but it wasn't good. Uh, but what was good and we'll get into all this, but that that second half was incredible. It really was. It, it was uh, remarkable to see that happen the way it did because I didn't see I didn't see it coming. Once they got one though, at the end of the half, and then they got two, you could almost sense the Chargers charging. It was happening before your eyes, uh, and then they got three, and then next thing you know, okay, here they go. But I mean, it, it was it was amazing to watch. It really was. But Pete, the one thing you're right. Four interceptions was terrible. At one point, I was like, oh, my gosh, are we going to throw 10? I mean, that was it was like one series after another, the turnovers, the you know, it was it was as ugly as it gets. But to me, one of the most impressive things about that game was, yes, the team ne- never quit. They kept on playing. Obviously, great leadership from Doug. There's no doubt about it. all of that is true. But I, I know you appreciate this, Pete. The mental toughness you have to have as a quarterback to go throw four picks and not go into the tank and not to have your head down. And a lot of guys, and guys who've had success in this league, would not have been able to do that. They wouldn't have made it. And the fact that he overcame that is so impressive to me. I agree with you. And – I even sent out a tweet during the game. I said he's got that glazed over look. And you've seen it from many a quarterback. I joke around about it with Kirk Cousins all the time with, with Rick Spielman. You, you see him get that look on their face, and there's nothing they can do to get out from underneath it. Well, he got it, and he came out from underneath it. That doesn't happen. That does, You're right, Tony. It doesn't happen. And, and when you go back and look at the interceptions, interception one, that's not on him. Interception two was a mugging. I mean, they mugged him in the secondary. There's no reason that wasn't called. Number three, 
was an awful read by him. And, and he's reading man-to-man, and there's a, a safety sitting there. He never sees him. Terrible read. That one's on him. And number four was he's got a he, – I don't know if those two guys should have been in the same spot, but if you go back and look at number four, he's got – Kirk open inside and he threw it to the guy behind him and it looked like they were too close together or something there um and and so that was a little weird that one was odd to me this one here I think here it is right here look you see Kirk see Kirk clear in there if you can really see it from the end zone angle of the of the um of the play if he throws to Kirk he's still running but he threw to to Ingram which was strange um so that one's on him as well but two of the four were on him and here, I think you can see it here. No, that's not the one. That's the one that's tipped. It's double tipped. It's double doink off the thing. So, look, when you're a quarterback, you go back. If you make bad reads, you feel awful about that. And you feel awful about all the interceptions. But two of them, the first two were kind of fluky in a way. And so I, I gave him a little bit of a pass for that. I think he responded that way uh, to get out from underneath it. So it, it says it speaks volumes to him as a quarterback. It tells you how good he is as a quarterback. And it tells you that, that might be the game – where he just picks it up and goes even more than what we've seen so far. Because you don't do that, and Tony said it, you don't do that. Most guys won't do it. Even stars don't do that sometimes. No, I, I'm telling you, it's – I've been – I've never been a quarterback, but I've been in games that get away from you. I know that feeling on the sideline, being down 27 nothing or whatever the score is, and everything is going against you. And you're sitting there going, oh, my – like, how do you get out of this? And how do you make the pain stop? And it's really, really hard. And especially with the way that game was going. And yes, Pete, you're, I agree with you 100%. The first interception, fluke, not on him. The second uh, interception, we can talk about the officials maybe later. I thought that it was a poorly officiated game. Um, Agreed. I mean, they were getting mugged. And that was a that was complete pass interference. You could have called holding. You could have called pass interference. Call whatever you want. But that should have been a first down for the Jaguars. Um, but I don't care. You throw four, you have another turnover on special teams, and you're sitting there 27 nothing in front of your home crowd in a playoff game with a young team. And the fact that they didn't blink, the fact that they didn't hang their heads, you know, yes, big for Trevor. I mean, that, we talked about that. But to me, it speaks to Doug Peterson and the leadership that he has shown and he has brought to this organization and the culture that he's built. That was as, as impressive of anything I've seen in the NFL in a long time. You know what else he could have called? You could have called that. that wasn't holding, wasn't interference. You could have called a punt there too, by the way, in case you're wondering. A what? You wouldn't have agreed? Yeah, it was you could have fourth, punted. Yeah, could have. But I mean, you could oh, have punted. Yeah. Fourth down, yes. Yeah, you could have punted. I would have punted there. I, I'll be honest with you. I would have punted there. But – um, I mean, I, I could see where as the game started getting a little loose, I could understand why maybe he decided to go for it. He didn't think his defense was going to have that type of game against them. But that team was a shell of itself. That offense was a shell of itself. That quarterback was a sh- I mean, he had no weapons. At the end of the game, he was throwing the guys that wouldn't even been suiting up for him when everybody's healthy. I mean, it was it was bad. But um, so, yeah, look, again, Doug Peterson, that's one of the best coaching jobs you'll see in a long time to keep his team in it. To keep his team focused, it would be so easy to say, okay, we had a good season, let's go home. You know what I mean? It would have been easy to do. Yep. You're down 27 to nothing, you go home. I'm done. All right, great season. We made the postseason. We won a division. Now let's build on it. But this game's done. They didn't do that. 
And that's a tribute to Doug Peterson. And the defense kept playing. Obviously, they stood up big. Uh, part of that, too, is, yes, the defense played big and you know got to the quarterback and did a bunch of things. The Chargers ran the ball, what, eight times in the second half? Oh, it, it, well, that, I mean. He's a terrible coach. Listen, I, I, thought I thought the way the Chargers handled the lead was atrocious. Um, and thankfully, they you know did a poor job. Yeah. But, you know, but you can say the flip side of that is, that game might be different if it's officiated properly. Um, that was an issue. Or but that's the game, breaks, that's, that's uh, but cool. the other way that's too the way is the breaks don't goes. go the other way, Tony. That game's over. I mean, let's let's go back to it. He had Keenan Allen on the one one play on the inside, and he doinked it off somebody's helmet. It would have been a touchdown. They settled for a field goal. And then he had right. Keenan out. That was on the right side on his little in on a little in cut at the goal line. Then later on, he had Keenan Allen wide open and sailed it over his head. And by the way, if he decided to go to the other side on that play, he had Parham Parnham wide open at the back of the end zone. So it, there were opportunities for them to put that game away, and they didn't. And that's when you start thinking, okay. They didn't put them away. Now maybe you can stay in this thing and get back yeah. into it. And and nobody thought they might come back and win the game, but you thought they'd come back and at least make it interesting. Uh, once they made it interesting, the Chargers just wilted. That that team is mentally weak. They wilted. Well, Pete, you're exactly right. They they missed opportunities. The Chargers did in that first half. And you mentioned the two big ones. I saw the same thing on the film. But then second half – of the back half of the second quarter through the second half, the entire second half, that Jaguar defense dominated them offensively. They couldn't run the ball an inch. Um, they played much better coverage. They started getting pressure. Uh, it was, you know, the tail of two halves, not just for the offense, but for the defense too. And they started playing really good football in the back, in the second half. Now that has to change. You do that against the chiefs. You're going to be down a hundred to nothing. Um, and so you 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 know that's something. I'm, and trust me, Doug is fully aware of that. He knows Andy Reid and that team better than anybody. But they're going to have to come out. They got to start fast, and it's something they have not done as of late. They found themselves in holes, and they found a way to come back. And uh, that has to change this week going into Kansas City. All right, guys, let's come back. We'll get a little deeper into this offensive performance, first and second half, of course. Uh, dig into that. All the, the playmakers for the Jaguars offense stepping up at a big time as well. A little later on the defensive side, in Roy Robertson Harris's day, he was possessed in the game. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. In the second hour, of course, your social media questions. We are off and running. It is Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network. You know, I feel like I've seen it all right and just needed to settle in. You know, we didn't really get any momentum going. We couldn't get a drive going. <clears throat> um, so I really just felt like we needed to settle in, and then our defense just kept getting stops for us, and I knew – once we get the ball and kind of get rolling for that first score like we did at the end of the half, once we kind of got that and got the momentum back, felt good about I mean, we've been in that situation before, not that many points, but, you know, similar situations. So that's the thing. I mean, just the belief in this team, it's kind of, I mean, it's really cool to see what, what can happen when, when everybody believes. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did today and what the offense was able to do in the second half to bounce back. Also, the defense, if we didn't believe in one another. Um, that was, you know, I threw four picks in the first half and, those guys beside me on offense and the guys on the other side of the ball didn't ever lose faith in me. And that's, that's, that's one thing that makes it easier 
when you know you got guys that believe in you, no matter what the circumstances are. That's the quarterback, of course, Trevor Lawrence, after the performance Saturday night in the AFC wildcard playoff game. And for nine years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com and look at all the available inventory and go Jags. This Jaguars happy hour presented by Jet Home Loans. We're on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jag social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Baselli, and Pete Prisco. And, of course, we've discussed and will obviously continue to discuss Trevor's performance in the game, the four interceptions, the four touchdowns. It's remarkable, but you got to have the guys around him making the plays, too, down the stretch, Pete. And the pass catchers in this game really stepped up and, and had a big day for him. Christian Kirk, eight catches for 78. Four different guys had a touchdown in the game, by the way. Kirk, Zay Jones, Ingram and then Marvin Jones, but they spread the wealth, they got it done, Pete, and they just continued the trend that, that had been building all season long. Yeah, look at that. Those are the three free agents right there at the top of that. Think yep. about that. I mean, that eight, eight, seven. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Two of them over 75 yards, one of them right below it is 74. I mean, that's why you pay those guys and go make plays, and, and they had plenty of opportunities. If you look at the targets, they all were in double digits, but I thought it was uh, – the second half was fantastic in terms of what they did on offense. I think the offensive line was really good at times. I mean, there are, and we'll talk more about them throughout the show, but uh, they did a nice job in protection. And, you know, Trevor settled in. And once he settled in, he made plays and he got the ball out. And they did a better job of sitting down and, and they did a better job of, um, you know, running routes where – you know, they didn't get – and I, I wasn't there, but, you know, my brother happened to be there. And he told me – he texted me during the game. He said that – Guys weren't getting open early in that game. There were, and, and you can't really see it on TV, but you guys have – Tony, you probably had a great – you guys both had a great view of it. It didn't look like guys were getting open. No, not a lot of separation. Every every pass was contested. I mean, give Brandon Staley and that defense credit. They took – they were going to take away the crossers. They sat down in zone. They mixed zone and man together, and they said, we're taking away the crossers. And they did a great job. Um and it was not a lot of separation at times early in that game, but I give you know give Doug credit. They made adjustments at halftime, and I, I agree with you, Pete. It was executed seamlessly in the second half. And I'll, and Trevor said it in that what we just saw him um, talking is the the ability to just get it going. And I thought that drive late in the first half, and we actually said it on the radio. You know, if you can go find a way, you're down 27 nothing. You're not getting all 27 in one drive. If they could find a way to get a touchdown going into halftime, I thought it would change the entire feel of the game. And knowing what it's like to go into a locker room in those scenarios, if you have something positive to build on, it's a completely different conversation. Because now you have some success to build on. It's a different feel in the locker room. You're only you're down 20, which is a big a big. Uh, a big margin in the playoffs, but this team's been down 17 in the second half twice already this year and won both those games. And so like now you're in familiar territory and you have a positive and you've got momentum. And I thought that was the most important drive of the game of getting that seven right before the half, because now, boy, it's a, it's a different feel coming out in the second half. 
And that was a big time throw, by the way, <laughs> because he he had the, that was, you know, that the route was cool. And I like the way they, you know, faked it in and went it up. And then he he has to put that right in there, man. That's a great throw in the middle of the field. That, that was risky, um, but he made the throw. And, and you're right. That felt different. If they don't get points there, they're done. Uh, I over. think they're done. Yeah, yeah I don't think they a- come back. And, you know, the guy who made that catch is Evan Ingram. He had another great game. And he's going to have to have a big game against Kansas City. He's becoming one of the most important weapons on this team it's in the past game. And I am and I want to highlight him. Kirk was great. Zay Jones was great. Marvin Jones had a big touchdown catch. They were all great. But Evan Ingram, you know, you think back uh, when he came in, it's a one-year prove-it deal. Um, book on him was he wasn't a great blocker, you know, had the case of the drops. You know, that was the book. That's why New York basically said, you know, you know, you can be free. You want to go somewhere else, go somewhere else. And I've watched this guy. The work ethic he has and how he prepares for every week and what in just what he does pregame is he is perfecting his craft. And he made some huge catches, maybe one of the best catches I've seen all year across the middle late in that game. It's a crossing route, full speed. It's not a well-thrown ball. It's like on his lower back knee, and he doesn't break stride and snatches it out of the air and then turns the corner for about a 20-yard game. I mean, I was like, holy cow. That's as good a catch as you – and I'm sure we'll have the highlight somewhere. It's as good a catch as you'll see. I mean, it's, it, it is so good. And, and I, give, I just give him credit because his work ethic – and a lot of guys work hard. There's no doubt about it, but what he has done and how he has, uh, you know, stepped up the second half of the year, become one of the most important offensive weapons. And then if you look at his blocking, it's night and day better. And he had some great blocks against Bosa uh, in those ends. I mean, he's never going to be a dominant blocker. You don't have to be if, you, if you're a move tight end. But I, I just can't say enough. And this is the catch right here. Watch this catch. That is such a hard catch. Yeah, because it's so behind him. It's behind him, and he doesn't break stride. And then watch what he does after he catches it. Runs by people. I mean. I, I think he's – and I, they have to pay him, by the way. They have, have to pay, pay him. You have to sign this guy. And he's you one of the best – he's a great locker room guy, and he cares. I love guys who care. And I'm not I – mean, a lot of guys on this team care. That's why it's such a great team to be a part of. I mean, I love what they've built. But this guy – this is – he has been big time. He ought to be big time against Kansas City, um, as a bunch of guys will. But I was I was just happy for Evan because I know how hard he works and how important it is to him. By the way, the last time they played Kansas City, you know how many catches he had? Zero. Three, three for 14. So he wasn't yeah. much of a factor in that game. And, nope. and I went back and actually rewatched that game today on tape. They ran a ton of screens and bubble screens and stuff in that game. It got to be more aggressive than that. They have to. I mean, there were way too many of those, and I don't think they knew what exactly what they had in him yet, because he wasn't that early in the season. He he has worked to become what he's become, which again goes back to yep. your point, Tony. A tribute to him because he's emerged as a, 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 one of the better pass catching tight ends in the league right now. And so, you know, you got one on the other side. You got the best on the other side. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him in this game. But I'm with you. He's got to get. He, he can't be three for 14. He's got to be seven for 70 or something like that. Yeah, I'd like, I want to, yeah, he needs to have a big game. 
And if you're, you know, Pete, you mentioned they weren't very aggressive, and I haven't gone back and watched it, but I trust your assessment of it, is, you know, if you want to be aggressive against the Chiefs, you better handle one thing, and that's Chris Jones. And so, you you know, we haven't talked about the offensive line. And uh, I actually tweeted out yesterday um, after watching the tape, I'm just, I was so impressed with Juwan Taylor and uh, Walker Little. And Walker Little's another guy that I just love the story because lost the battle in training camp, you know, not a starter, high, you know, was picked to be a starter, you know, uh, you know, in the second round, lost that job. And from obviously all he's been doing is working on his craft and getting better because he has come in and each week he's gotten better. Um, and I thought the performance he had against Bosa and Khalil Mack and also how he ran block in that game, I thought he was outstanding. I mean, outstanding. And I agree. loved in the biggest moments. And it's hard as an offensive lineman when you're down 27, those pass rushers are coming. I've been there. It's not fun. It's not easy. And what him and Juwan Taylor did to um, play top-end games and give Trevor the time to operate. And the interior guys did as well, but they weren't facing top-end players on the interior. These two tackles were facing top-end guys. And as a guy who played the position, hats off, because I know how hard that is. And I was so happy for Walker Little and Juwan Taylor the way they played. Tony, you had talked about Walker Little's technique a lot and things he needed to do better. What has he done better now? Say it again, Pete. What has he done better now? Because you had talked a ton about his technique what, early in the season yep. or early in training camp. What's he doing better now? Because there was something way, he wasn't doing he, that he seems to be doing better. He's way more consistent in his sets. He's staying square. He's he's taking away rushes by the way he sets, um, which is great. His hand use is way better. He's not leaning. He's not using his head, his upper body. He's letting his hands go to work. And he is showing way more power than I thought he had. Does a great job of sitting on the bull. He's, you know, he's only going to get better. He's actually had a nice little snatch um, against uh, Khalil Mack. Got him on the ground and went after him. I love that. Uh, he's just better with his hand use and his in this consistency of his sets. You can tell he's been working on it. It's 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 showing. And by the way, what I love every game he plays, he gets better because he's getting. And those are he's getting game those experience. are two, yeah, those are two and, powerful guys too. They can bull rush you, both of them. And he sat down on it. He did. I mean, he was outstanding. And for the future, and I, we'll talk about the future after the, uh, hopefully after the Super Bowl, because that'll be the last show after they lose, uh, after they either win the Super Bowl or lose a game. I'm planning on winning the Super Bowl at this point. Um, lock is it. Not, not quite. I'm not ready to lock the. I might have a special lock for this week, though. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, um, but looking to next year, just briefly, you know, you have quite, you have injured Cam Robinson. Um, hopefully his knee's going to be okay. Um, and you have a free agent in Juwan Taylor. Let me tell you what you do have. You have a, you have a starting left, you have a starting offensive tackle in Walker Little. I don't know if I could have said that at the beginning of the year. Obviously you couldn't because he didn't win the job. He's a starting caliber offensive tackle in this league. But is he a star- He didn't look comfortable on the right side though. I, I, Pete, he's a good he looks much different on the left side, Tony. Where if he gets reps, he can figure it out. I just think he looks much com- more comfortable on the left side. Could Cam uh, play the right side? But you have a starting tackle. 
and Walker Little. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I agree. He's been outstanding. And, and, and Jawan Taylor's been outstanding all year, by the way. Mm-hmm. Let's give him his props. He's been their best offensive lineman. Sure. I don't think there's any question yeah. about that. Yeah. And he's been their best <laughs> offensive lineman. Uh, I thought, you know, the interior had some moments where they weren't great. They, they, they had some moments, all three of them. Um, but the tackles were outstanding. Um, it, it really, but you're right though, Tony. This week, it's not about blocking the edge guys. Even though Carlaftis, who rushes the passer for him, has a sack in five straight games, he's really come on. You better block Chris Jones because he's that game wrecker. He's the one. He's the game well, wrecker. Chris, and Chris Jones is. He's in the category. There's only other one other defense alignment. I'll put him in the category uh, that with him is Aaron Donald. Yep. Chris Jones can mess up the entire game all. By himself. Let's come back in a moment, guys. We'll get to that again a little bit later. We'll dig into the matchup next week for the Jaguars and the Chiefs and the divisional playoff game. When we return, though, a deeper look into the defensive performance, including Roy Robertson Harris and the run he's been on lately, certainly on Saturday night. And of course, in the second hour, your social media questions and plenty to get to after a Jaguars. Win in the wild card round over the L.A. Chargers 31-30. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network. Because we already knew what, we knew how they were getting their plays. It was because of us. It was nothing they were doing crazy. It was because of us. Out of position some plays. Everybody just settle down. Uh, 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 really just, you know, be where your feet at, man. And don't let the a- atmosphere uh, uh, excite you too crazy, you know what I'm saying? You got to be right there in that perfect state of that, that flow, that flow state, you know? Um, so that was, that was basically just a mindset, just the entire halftime coming in. It's Ray Sean Jenkins, Jaguars Safety, and welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Monday after a Jaguars wild card win Saturday, 31 30 over the Chargers after trailing 27 0. Third largest comeback in the playoffs in NFL history, and the Jaguars are on to Kansas City. Well, the Jaguars' defense obviously had a huge hand in this comeback. Uh, of course, Foyer Lewican led the way with tackles again, 13 of those. Josh Allen continued what was a great stretch run with another big performance, eight tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, four quarterback hits. Uh, you just heard from Sean there, seven tackles for him and a pass defense. But Roy Robertson-Harris uh, really stood out, seven tackles, five solos, a sack, toward the end of the game, four tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, and two passes defensed. And, Pete, this guy was all over the place. He was fantastic. I mean, he was he was all over the place, like you said, but he played back. Again, there was early Roy Robertson-Harris in the season. Then there was a lull, and the last month he's been fantastic. So I don't know. He might be another guy that had some injury issues he wasn't talking about because he didn't play that well in the middle of the season. He's been phenomenal. He was phenomenal the other night. I mean, he was chasing down plays. He was animated. He was playing with power. I I thought he was fantastic. Um, And here's my concern with them last week, though. The pressure still isn't enough. Trayvon Walker didn't do it. You know, he's working against a former teammate who's also a rookie. He should be beating that guy. He should be beating that guy, and he didn't. And I don't. I still don't think they get enough pressure, and that showed up again at times when he stood there and had time. I mean, if the shot that he missed to Keenan Allen in the back of the end zone, that play takes a little bit of time, and he stood back there. 
when he had a th- I think it was a third and long, he hit a shot into the middle of the field. The guy's wide open. He, that play takes a long time. I just don't think they they rushed the passer well enough. Um, you know, particularly from early part of that game, you know, two and a half quarters. They they have to be better. And if you if you don't rush the passer against Mahomes, he's gonna, Mahomes is going to kill you. So that's still a concern. But Roy Robertson Harris, outstanding. And by the way, I didn't think that should have. It was a dumb decision by Trayvon Walker, but that shouldn't have been a personal foul on that one sack. That was ridiculous. Oh, he was trying to get out of the way. He was trying to get around him. It wasn't even a violent. It was just like a little like bump into him. That was. Well, he, and mean, Herbert put on a show. I mean, he acted. Yeah. I mean, it was a clear flop, but, but it should the, not have been a penalty. The, the fishing, you agree with me, though, Tony, that they didn't rush the passer that well? I mean, Trayvon Walker's got to beat that guy. That's his former teammate in college. Got to beat him. Yeah, I thought he I thought he would have more production against that guy. Um, now, give him credit. If you watch the tape on him, Pete, he's been pretty good pass blocker um, since he's been in. No, he's, he's a good player. No, he's a good, that kid's a good player. Uh, don't get yeah, me wrong. He, he's been he's been a pleasant surprise. And at some point when Slater comes back, they probably move him to the right side and play him over there. He's been that good. I, I think I, I think you're right. He's been a really good player. But still, Trayvon Walker probably knows all his moves. And everything. Again, right into his midsection every single time. I, I just that's got to be better. I, and, I guess where I'm at, Pete, I don't expect much more from Trayvon Walker this year. I think he needs an offseason, and, and, and the, he's not the first young pass rusher that needs an offseason to figure no. out how to rush the passer at this level. Um, no. What I love about Trayvon is everything else you get out of him, the physicality in the run game. He you know he disrupts sets stuff. the edge. Uh, he sets the edge. I mean, he sets the edge. I mean, he's really a good football player. I just I, – I, I've gotten to the point, like, I just – I'm like, I don't think he's a, he's a mature pass rusher. And he needs an offseason of really working on it. And, and Jeff and I talked about it. If he learns how to rush the passer, he'll be one of the better defensive ends in the entire league because he's so disruptive everywhere else right now. Yep, yep. Did you? And, uh, Roy Robertson Harris killed that rookie guard for them. He just destroyed oh, he that kid. Destroyed him. It was now. If you think about it, Pete, you're right. We need to rush the passer better. I thought if we could rush the passer the way we did in the second half the entire game, now you got something because especially the second half of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, they were getting after Herbert and they were forcing him off his spot and they were forcing him to rush throws. Um, and I thought that was great. And, but you have to be consistent throughout the game, but if you're sitting in Los Angeles and you're a charger fan right now. You're, you can be saying the same thing. Where's our pass rush. We had no pass rush against Trevor Lawrence because he didn't. No, that was one of the most surprising things from that game is that they didn't rush the passer. Not that, I didn't think that Little and Taylor would do some good things, but at some point you thought Bosa would explode past somebody and, and blast them, and he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. I mean, now he missed most of the year. He missed a lot of the year with injury, so I don't know how healthy he was, but he didn't look like the same guy at all. No, he, even he, said just, it, he even said it in the locker room, I think today, out in L.A., that, yeah, I was playing on half a leg. Um, yeah, he, he didn't look like the same guy. Well, you could, but Khalil yeah, Mack is, tell- is the same guy, and he's just not the same. He's not the same player he used to be. That's the problem with Khalil Mack. He doesn't have the same oomph that he used to have. Yeah, when you can watch the tape against Bosa, when I watched the Rams, so that was week uh, seventeen, and he did not have. He does not have the same power he did pre-injury, um, and so he yeah. He, he, but still, I don't care. He's out there. You know, right? Oh yeah, you're accountable. He was out there enough to 
bitch about every call, so he's accountable for <laughs> that it. That was also what he said um, in the locker room today in L.A. He went on a tirade against the officials in the game. <laughs> so, Well, I mean, Jacksonville had their fair share of uh, uh, timing to do with some bitching about the officials, too. Come on. It was a poorly officiated game on both sides. Let's be real. Yeah, it was. Hey, Pete, let me ask you a question about because it goes to Bosa. Isn't the rule if you get two unsportsmanlike penalties, you get thrown out of the game? Supposedly, he was supposed to be out of the game. So, no. They, here's, they made a mistake. Here's where it went wrong. He was not supposed to be out of the game. It's two unsportsmanlikes against an opponent or an official is the rule. So the second one was just a helmet into the ground. It wasn't toward an opponent or an official. Oh, I, I didn't know. I thought they called that toward the official. No. No, no, no. The first one oh. was... Because I knew that it has to be one or the one or the other. So just an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty into the air doesn't apply to the throwing now, out of the if, game. If he threw the I thought both the... of them were at the officials. So that's if... why I thought he should have. Right. The one was definitely at the official because he lipped to him. The second one looked like he was throwing the helmet because he was getting into it with the official, which is why I thought he should have got booted out. Right. Well, if he did it like with the official right next to him, then maybe that would have qualified. But yeah. uh, he, he did yeah. it twice, by the way, because Staley handed him the helmet again and he flicked it down. He seconds. did. He threw it down again. <laughs> and look, yeah, he that's why. was he offsides? Guys get away with that all the time. They do. The, was Did uh, Juwan Taylor move a tick early? I watched that tape over and over again. It's really close. It's really close. But they're letting that go a little bit now, Tony. That's something that they're letting go and letting the offensive lineman get a little bit of an edge. You saw it in the Bengals game, the left tackle. No, no, in the Giants game. Andrew Thomas Thomas. went a little early. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So – I don't know if he went over. And then he, by the way, he did hold on that play, too, if you want to really get into it. So, but there were so many plays like the holds in the secondary, the hold on the two point conversion. Give me a break. Evan Ingram got held in the middle of the field. There were a lot of penalties that weren't called. They let him play. I give, I mean, they did let let him play a little bit. And it was not a hold, Pete. There was no hold. What, the one on Bosa? Yeah, it wasn't holding. Clean block. Eh, it was borderline. Did you see a flag? No. Okay. It's not a hole. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> did you see a flag on Marvin Jones? In the, I mean, Zay Jones in the back of the end That's, zone on the two-point play? Those are, those are penalties. They just missed them. Yeah. This might be a hold. No. Oh, no. It's a perfect block. Well done. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's come back in a moment. We will uh... – of course, uh, continue our review of the Jaguars' win over the Chargers. We'll take a look at the Jaguars' history in the divisional round. That's coming up this week against the Chiefs. And then the second hour at 5 o'clock, we'll get into your social media questions and much more as we review a Jaguars' win over the L.A. Chargers 31-30. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work play and everything in between this truck makes tough look easy your local ford dealer proud partner of the jags and this is jaguars happy hour presented by jet home loans on the jaguars digital network
there you have the locker room celebration right after the Jaguars completed the third largest comeback in the history of the NFL playoffs. Down 27 nothing, They rallied to win it 31-30. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Pete Briscoe and Tony Baselli. PRI Productions, the Southeast full-service event company, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com and learn more. Well, now it's on to the divisional round. The Jaguars will visit the Kansas City Chiefs, GEHA Field at Arrowhead in Kansas City this Saturday afternoon. And the Jaguars' history in the divisional round, as you would imagine, is somewhat mixed. They've been, of course, to the AFC Championship game three different times in their uh, history. But um, yeah, win, loss, win, it's kind of an alternating situation over the years in the divisional round. But now... Uh, the task is uh, massive again, obviously, uh, guys, with Kansas City, the number one seed, well-rested, coming in, Mahomes in his prime. Pete, it's as big of a of a, of a task as you can find in this round. Yeah, it's tough to beat them there. It's, it's, it's a hard place to play. It's even more, more tough uh, of an environment in the postseason, or a lot tougher of an environment in the postseason. And Tony's been there. We both. I remember a couple of years ago, we were both there for that freezing cold game in the playoffs. And, and it doesn't matter if it's freezing and windy and nasty or whatever. They line up. They're there. And that place is loud the minute it starts. And it's going to be a tough environment. And that's why Tony made a good point. They can't afford to go down against them. They just can't. Because even if you get a lead against them, and we've seen teams in the postseason go in there. The Titans did it a couple of years ago and take leads on them. And somehow, some way, they always have the firepower to come back. So it's a, it's a real challenge for them this week. Again, I went back today and watched the tape from earlier in the season. Different teams, um, different guys. You know, look, Darius Williams was playing inside, and they were still trying to figure out who the third corner was going to be. Remember, they played uh, Brown. They played Claybrooks. They played a bunch of people in that game at corner. Uh, and, and and so, yeah, I, I think it's an entirely different team. One thing that I did notice from that game, and you guys will remember this, Christian Kirk killed Legereus Sneed, just killed him, destroyed him in that game. So anytime you look for that matchup, I think you're going to have an opportunity to get some plays. Remember, he had two touchdowns in that game and just killed him in that game. So uh, I think it's it's a challenge no matter – anytime you play Patrick Mahomes, is a challenge. But when you're playing him in the playoffs and in his place, more so. I'll say this though, Pete. I agree with everything you said, hundred percent. But if you had to, uh, if I had to choose a team to play out of the Chiefs, the Bengals, or the Bills, this is where I'd want to go. And yep. the reason is because you've already been there. You played it. You experienced it. Yes, not in the playoffs. And here's the deal: you did not play your best game, especially defensively. Guys were running wide open, and you only lost by ten. And so there's a belief, and being a player, like, okay, I've experienced it. I know what I'm facing. I know what it's going to be like. And you know what? We didn't play well. We can beat these guys. And so this is the matchup I think is actually most favorable to the Jaguars because on top of that, all the pressure is on the Chiefs. They fell short last year. They got upset in that stadium by the Bengals. They're the favorite, number one seed. Everyone thinks they're the best team with the, you know, the least amount of deficiencies in the AFC, maybe the entire NFL. It's all the pressures on them. And so if you can go out there and get a fast start, it's going to be one hell of a game. 
it's uh, 96 all over again. <laughs> I, just, I, I know I keep referencing it, but there's so many similarities. It's amazing. And, and I mean, the fact that you guys came from on the first playoff game, you came on the road, though, and you were behind 10. I think it was. Wasn't it 10 nothing Skating. Well, it was either um, 10 or 13 or something like that. Yeah. 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 It came back and won the game. Then you had to go on the road and play the best team in the league by far with the Hall of Fame quarterback who put up a ton of points and in a tough environment. Because Mile High, remember, that was back, wasn't that Mile, that was back in the Mile High days. Oh, yeah. Old, old Mile High place, Stadium was as loud as anything in the universe. It, and it shook. Remember, it shook. That thing shook. It was crazy. So it's a similar type of scenario. Not as big of underdogs, though. I mean, you know, it's, it's, that tells you it's not the same type of challenge, but it's similar in a lot of ways. So handle the business and, um, you know, go up, play your best game, uh, let it let it fly. See what happens against the Chiefs, who uh, obviously, you know, the, the spotlight this week will be on the quarterbacks in the matchup uh, between Mahomes and Lawrence, as it was last week. That's been kind of the storyline going into the playoffs, um, at least going into the postseason. Every uh, quarterback that's at the top of the depth chart in the AFC was a first-round pick. That, of course, continues this week. Uh, the Dolphins are out. Uh, the Ravens are out. Those guys didn't start in the game. Uh, but now it's down to the final four in the AFC and big-time quarterback play moving ahead. And and I'm getting a little wish here because I hate games that are impacted by wind. Here's the weather report. 44 degrees, clouds and sunshine, wind of only 7 miles per hour. You couldn't ask for better than that in January in Kansas City. No, absolutely. It's a great opportunity. I mean, it actually – I actually think, JP, I disagree with your description. Hey, you know, just go and let it fly, see what happens. I think this team's going to be – I think that by the time this thing kicks off – let me say this. By the time they get on the plane, I think you're, you're going to have a team, a group of guys that think they should go win that game. I think they're going to be of the mindset like, hey, we're not here just to compete. We're not here just to see what can happen. We're here to win. And we're going to go beat these. I, I, I really think this team's going to be in that mindset. I like that mindset. Indeed. We'll come back in a moment. Second hour of Jaguars Happy Hour coming up. More on that. Another review of the Jaguars win over the Chargers. Your social media questions and much more ahead. One hour down, one hour to go. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. take it as long as we keep keep winning you know i mean that's the thing and and listen it sometimes we make it hard because we make it hard on ourselves and and um you know those are the things we're trying to kind of work through and, and grow through um you know with this football team and and uh, you know it's just it's just a matter of taking care of our business and you know we've got to hang on to the football you know and, and trevor knows that and you know, some of it's out of our control when the ball's tipped and things like that. I mean, those are out of your out of your hands. But uh, at the same time, you know, we can't uh, we can't keep doing that. We can't put ourselves in these these types of holes. Not not now, um, and really not not ever. You know, and, and expect to sustain winning. You know, for the long haul. 
That's head coach Doug Peterson earlier today, and welcome back. It's hour number two of Jaguars Happy Hour on this Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli. After trailing 27 nothing, the Jaguars rallied for a 31-30 win over the L.A. Chargers in an AFC wildcard playoff game. It's the third largest comeback win in NFL playoff history. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions in the first half but finished with four touchdown passes and a two-point conversion in an unbelievable turnaround, of course. The Jags' defense stood tall when they needed to, forced field goal tries, or they got off the field altogether in the second half. The Bills and the Bengals both won yesterday, so the Jaguars will head to Kansas City and face the number one seed Kansas City Chiefs. They're coming off the bye week, of course. Kickoff Saturday, 4.30 Eastern on NBC. Tariko and Collinsworth on the call. Um, of course, t- earlier in the season, Baselli was hoping for a flex to that crew in Week 10. Didn't work out then. It works out now in the divisional round. Coaching battle, of course, will be a storyline all week long. Andy Reid, Doug Peterson go back a long way when Peterson was a backup quarterback in Green Bay and Andy Reid was on that staff it was when they first met. Uh, quarterback battle, yes, Mahomes and Lawrence this week. Uh, what a game it should be. I think that about covers it, but... Um, Boy, what a comeback. What an effort for this Jags team to get it done. The third biggest comeback in league history. And some big-time calls in big moments. We haven't even touched, guys, on the fourth-and-one situation to set up the game-winning field goal at the end when it appeared that, okay, maybe they're going to try for a sneak. They call timeout because it's bunched up in the middle. And then they come out of it in the T formation, circa 1952, and hand it off to ETN around the right end. And this was actually a play that Penn State ran in the Rose Bowl two weeks ago for their first touchdown. And uh, it was designed actually to go over the right tackle, but ETN took it wider, and it worked out. Fourth and one, and they blocked it really well on the right side of the line and and set up a chip shot field goal. You know, it's interesting. Phil Rauscher supposedly came came the play. Did you know that? that yeah. I saw that in Peter King's column. It said Phil Rauscher is the one who came up with the play and told him to run it. They were going to run something goofy, by the way, on fourth down when, before they called timeout. I don't know what it was. And how do you know that? Look, it, it had the look of something really goofy. Uh, if you go look at it, <laughs> well, wait, he was – Without your hate but, play of the week? We haven't got to that either. Well, now, you haven't got the hate play of the week, but you can go one play before that and you get my hate play of the week, okay? There's my hate play of the week. Third and an inch, get your first down. They threw it. Get your first like down it. and go from there. I didn't like it either. I mean, that was such no. a bad call. I didn't understand that call at all. It's third. And it was basically third and an inch. Get your first down, and then you can open up the playbook and do whatever the hell you want. Now you made it fourth in an inch, and now you had to figure out what you were going to do. I didn't understand that third down. So there, everybody who asked what my hate play of the week was, it was that. It was I didn't understand that call. Got away with it because they had a great call on on uh, on fourth down, and that play was. I mean, it was. It was. You're right. It was well blocked. It was well designed. It was a great call. But before they called timeout, you go back and watch it because I went back and watched it. He. I don't know what he was doing. They motioned the guy across the formation and put him on the right side. They had trips to the right, and I don't know what he was going to do because it looked like he might be throwing it. 
I, I'm serious. It looked like it might be a throw, but I don't know what it was. I don't know if anybody asked in the press conference. Me, if I was in that press room, I have to know what was the play you were going to call before you call timeout because it wasn't a sneak. You can see Trevor pop up out of it like he's going to do something. Yeah, and, and Doug Peterson said today that, you know, yeah, Trevor wanted to run the play, and he's obviously went over and called timeout on the sideline and, and you know, uh, the head well, coach what was, was gonna, the play? Did anybody ask uh, him what the play didn't, was? He didn't say. He wasn't going to say. What See, the play I got to know the play. I got to know the play. If I'm in that, like, that team, I want to know the play. What he, were you going to do? He was asked, <laughs> but he was he was not answering that question. Yes. Yeah, but the, I didn't love the I didn't love the third down call either. Throwing it there, Pete. I'm with you. Just get the first down. Let's move on. But that fourth down call was awesome, and it was it was, it was the game winner when you think about it. Or so at least set up the game winning field goal because right. From that t- from that play, they were in field goal range, and they had the clock in their favor. Uh, the Chargers had only one timeout remaining. It was so well executed. And you know what? And it happens almost every week. You forget how much speed ETN has because he turns the corner. Uh, it, you saw it in that play. But there was also a play earlier in the game where it looked like he's never getting to the edge. And, boy, he gets to the edge, and he turns up, and he has another gear that is – impressive and they put it all on on uh samuel right go make the play go make a tackle and he didn't um i I thought i i thought yeah the third down play though where they tried to hit that little crosser to kirk and it was like a terrible throw i didn't like that call just go get your first down and go from there and i'm gonna admit something here that i was probably wrong about in hindsight but when i was watching the game i probably thought differently i probably wouldn't have gone for two and so kudos to Doug for going for two, because me, as a head coach, I would not have gone for two in that scenario. Even moving it up, I wouldn't have gone to, for two. Because what you do, in my book, is you've eliminated yourself from getting a, 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 a field goal to tie it, But if you don't get that. So that's why I probably wouldn't have gone for two. More power to him, because he did, and he's done a lot of big things like that in his career, I just personally, I wouldn't have done it, but I'm going to give him credit for doing it. So when I criticize him for a play each game, uh, I wanted to criticize him for that, but I I would have gone a different way. But I understand the method to the madness, and I can understand the math behind it. I just wouldn't have done it that way. And would you have way, gone for that, Tony? Um, in the moment, I was – Pete, if I'm being honest, I was like, oh, please kick the extra point. Please kick the extra point because I, I was <laughs> – a little nervous, but then when I sat back and thought about it, and this is what this is why Doug's the head coach. You know, I don't think about these scenarios every single day. It's the right call because you have a six six quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is six six, six foot six. He's already shown that he can go over the top like that. He did it earlier in the year, and the reality is, I don't know how you defend that play if you're the Chargers because it's 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 a it's less than a second. He literally just reaches his long frame over, and the ball crosses. It's, it's done. You can't do anything about it. And so, and that's why, like, you, people say, "Well, why do you do that in the field to play?" Well, because if you do that in the field to play, you can knock fumble. the ball oh, away, and it down. becomes a fumble. By the that's way, why you can't I mean, it, it looked like to me he kind of called his own number because it looked like the offensive line was coming back to maybe pass block even, and he just was like, "Forget this. I'm I'm going to reach it over right here." I mean, it wasn't like they had a push ahead. You know, I didn't sense that watching it. But you might be right. I'd have to watch it again. We just felt in the way the reaction came on the sideline, and you know, Doug's pointing at his head, and then his, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's, I mean, look at the offensive line; they're going back. Yeah, they're going back. 
They're so going backwards. It's almost and, like and on Trevor the one, did his own and thing. And on the fourth down play that they were going to play, the offensive line on the left side was blocking down. Yeah, they are going backwards. So, Oh, yeah, and you can see blown. the receiver coming in. Right. They're, yeah. trying they're running to, routes. They're trying to hit a little slant. See? I mean, like, that's that's a big-time call by the quarterback to see an opening and reach out. I mean, you know, that's that's big. So. I mean, in like most quarterbacks, it wouldn't even reach that arm. It reaches yeah. all the way across. I mean, like last night in the in the late game, I mean, Huntley tries to do that from the two, and yeah, it's too far. That's absurd. Even and, he couldn't well, do it from the two. You don't right. do that from the yeah, two. You can't do that from the two. The ball gets knocked out. It goes the other way for a touchdown, then you end the season. Yeah, right. And don't do it. And you can't do it in the field of play, yeah. which is no. why people say, well, you could do that on the goal line, but you can't. He couldn't have done that on fourth and an inch. No, um, because ball they can back out, the ball. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I go back to okay. Anybody out there? Because I got a lot of questions about it. Which play do I hate? I hated third down and one. I hated that play. Hated it. Get your first down. Open up the playbook. I also thought, and this is another little mini criticism for me. Once the ETN got the first down, how much time was left there? It was almost like, like what were you doing? Fifty-five seconds. What was it? It was like 50 or 45, something. no, maybe it was so 40 seconds because he, he's able to go all the way down to uh, four seconds to get it. No. Oh, it's no, a minute and a half. More, it's, oh, it's no, you're right because they ran another play. Yeah. They ran another play it's after one, this. That's he hit the ground at 120. What are you doing there? Like, why? Okay, either you're ready to kick the field goal. You're going to run it down and let him kick the field goal, call timeout, or run a play. I, I, why Why not just sneak it then? I mean, they lost yards. They made that field goal worse than what it was. Yeah, the I, that one had, That's right. I didn't understand that. Or they had their timeouts too, didn't they? Jacksonville, they still had timeouts if they wanted to run a couple it, plays. They could make it even better. What would, I, always I, mean, that, that was, I always get that? nervous putting it all in the field goal kicker. I don't care I how agree. close it is. <laughs> I'm like, it just makes me I nervous. Was, and I barely made it. the same thing because what was the what did the field goal end up being? Thirty-eight, thirty-six. Okay, he should 36. make it. If that's back another couple yards, that thing's leaking to the right. It yeah. isn't any good. That's right. That's not a good field goal. So why not make it a twenty-eight yarder? You had plays you could have run. Are you worried about the fumble? Is that the risk? I don't know. I I think I might have run. If I'm going to run it, I'm not just handing. I mean, handing off and and letting them get dumped for a four yard loss. Why not sneak it twice to get two more yards hey, or something? But, you could have done something like that. Or what if you know they had the loss on the first play? Maybe that just spooked them into, hey, let's just kick this thing now because they're no, gonna no JP this. JP. Once he got the first down, okay? okay, yeah. Once ETN, what yard line was he at? They were at the sixteen. Okay, so sneak it twice, call your timeouts, and then. Getting kicked in the field. Here's the other thing: when he what down was it that he kicked on? He let the clock go all the way down. Second that's, down. That's not, yeah. huh? Second. You should kick on, Second. You, right. You should, but they, but even though he let the clock go all the way down, if the snap gets away, there's no other chance for them. Whereas if you're kicking on second down and there's 11 seconds left and the snap gets away, you recover. You got a chance to kick that field goal again. So there were a couple things, uh, and I'm a I'm a stickler for this. Because I'm a clock management junkie, I, I think there were a couple things at play. Once he got the first down with ETN, if you're worried about fumbling, take a snap and sneak it twice and get it to the what? The what would it have been? Say you get a yard on each one of those. Yeah, so you 14. Do 14. 
So then all of a sudden you're kicking, what, a 31-yarder. You should make that one. It's a lot different than 38. That's an extra point. Well, Pete, I'll say this. I disagree with you about uh, kicking with 11 seconds left so you have another chance if something goes wrong. I had this debate with Joe D. Camillus years ago because I actually was of the same mindset, and we had this big debate. And he actually convinced me with the percentage, the the percentage, how good the operation is between – snapper, kick, uh, holder, kicker, that you actually probably create more percent. It's, it's a bad play to leave time on the clock because actually you're probably leaving a higher percentage of something bad happening on the kickoff or giving them one play or anything else like that. If you just look at the numbers of the percentage and how highly that's executed, play in and play out from as far as uh, center, holder, kicker operation. And I so I would have run it down just like Doug did. Now, with that said, I would have been feeling a little bit better getting about five extra yards um, before I kicked it. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I see the argument about the, the, the kicking it. But what if you call timeout with eight seconds left? And in that scenario, the snap gets away. Say the snap gets away. You fall. You tell everybody, fall on it right away. Tell your holder, your kicker, you fall on it right away. Then you get another opportunity with three seconds, and then it goes. If you kick the field goal through with eight seconds left – how much time is going to be on that clock? Three seconds? Four seconds. Two? Four. Four. You think it'll be four? Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in there. Yep. Okay, so then, then you blast it out of the end zone, which you've been doing, and you say, okay, go ahead and do one of your lateral plays. If you beat me with one of those plays, I deserve to lose because you're not going to get two plays out of that. You're going to get one. I guess. I, I just, I'm not going to criticize. I, I'm, I actually probably would have run it down to the four seconds as well. Yeah, I mean you can do it that way. I just think that if the if, if nobody broaches that subject ever, if the snap got away, if the snap wasn't good, you don't get another chance. That's the only thing I'm saying. You don't get another chance. If he bobbles the snap, you don't get another chance. Whereas if he bobbles the snap or it skips to him, and you have time on the clock, you fall on it, you call timeout, you get another opportunity. Or the other part yeah. of this too is if they do it like just the way they did it. Hey, you take all that out of play. Let's just, we're going to kick it anyway. Let's just go ahead and get it done and not worry about all the the items to get to that point that's, and just play. Yeah, that's why I, I'm with you, JP. I would not do that. I disagree. I mean, so Pete, you're wrong. No yeah. one agrees. No, with I'm, you not wrong. You're, it's I'm not one. wrong. I'm not wrong. You know, look, it's, it, it's been around. It's happened. Guys leave time on the clock and snap it on thir- second or third down for hey, a reason. Hey, guess what, Pete? I got news for you. It worked. The Jaguars won the game on the Riley Patterson field goal of 36 yards, and they're on to the divisional round. We're back in a moment, and we'll keep it real. That's right. The Chiefs are up next. We'll try to figure out how to cover some of the weapons on offense. We're on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Five Star Credit Union. Do good, bank better. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. I played with one of the greatest quarterbacks ever in, in Brett Favre and there were times when you know he didn't have a, a great first half and came back in the second half and and uh could light it up and and that's what that's what I love about Trevor and and his demeanor and and uh his aggressiveness and um the ability to just forget and move on um but he'll be the first one to tell you that it's not it's not about him it's the guys around him too made made plays protection was good uh receivers were doing a nice job being where they needed to be 
Um, but, uh, you know, from an individual standpoint, it was uh, this is really a, a great performance by our quarterback. That's head coach Doug Peterson discussing the quarterback play, of course, in the wild card win. Four interceptions early and then four touchdown passes. And the Jaguars rally from 27 down to get it done. And they're on to the divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Vaselli, Pete Prisco on Jaguars Happy Hour. Glad you're along with us today on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, and Jaguars social media. It is time for Keeping It Real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real Ingredients, award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. Well, now it's on to Kansas City and a fantastic offense for the Chiefs, of course, so let's start with how the Jaguars' defense plans to or should plan to slow down Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. That's got to be a huge priority in this game, Tony. Well, you know, absolutely. He, you know, he's the number one weapon outside. Obviously, Patrick Holmes is the number one weapon on the Chiefs, but it's it's about Travis Kelsey because he could wreck the entire game offensively. You know, for you. Um, with that said. If you want to stop Travis Kelsey, you better make them one-dimensional because if they get the if they get the run game going, and they're as tough as any offense to stop because they get a two-way go and then they start getting their play-action pass and their misdirection off of it, it makes it really difficult to slow them down. But as far as just stopping Travis Kelsey, I think you got to double him, and I think you have the ability to do that because they don't have Tyree Kill outside any longer, which scared the you know scared the hell out of you because he could beat you over the top at any moment. And so I, because I don't think there's anybody who can play man on this roster against Travis Kelsey all by themselves. I mean, outside of Tyson Campbell, but you're not going to put Tyson Campbell inside and go and go cover him. And so I think you have to have some some plan where you're going to bracket him. Obviously, that's when you're playing man. If you're playing zone, you have to match up with him and identify uh, identify where he is at at all times. And so it's going to take a group effort to slow down Travis Kelsey. You might also see the defensive ends at times, which will hurt your pass rush. But you see teams do this to um, hit Kelsey as he's coming off the line of scrimmage, try to slow him down and disrupt the, the timing of the routes. Um, so I think it's a multi-pronged approach. You know, with all that, he's still going to have success. You just have to limit the success that he has. And if you go back to the first game, you remember the first game, that was the Devin Lloyd game. Remember, he was lost in coverage, and they started replacing him, and that's when Muma started playing. And I go back to there was a big play. Uh, remember the big over to Kelsey, yeah. uh, Tony, where he didn't get his drop deep enough, and, and they threw over the top of him. And now, Devin Lloyd's been better, but that's still a big problem for him is the zone coverage and, and his pass drops and even a lot of it. He's had problems with it. So that's, that's a concern. But I'm with Tony. I think you double him. If, if the other guys beat you, they beat you. That's the way I look at it. And, you know, people always criticize the Chiefs because they don't run it enough. And I always sit here and I say, if you're playing them, if you're taking Kelsey away and they're running the ball, then you've won. That's an advantage for you. Okay? You don't want Kelsey beating you and you don't want Mahomes beating you. So – I, I do everything in my power to take him away, and if the other guys, Juju Smith-Schuster, Valdez, whoever, if they beat me, they beat me. That's what I would do. Yeah, and I think the other point you have to have, you have to keep everything in front of you. You know, you do not let Patrick Mahomes start throwing over the top and getting these big chunk plays on you. We, that was part of the problem a little bit the first time they played. The deep over is a, one example. Make them go four, 
three, six yards. Like force them, force them to execute long drives and try to slow them down, take some air out of the big plays that they are so famous for executing, uh, executing during game, and see you know see if you can force those long drives. And then the key is going to be of this game is can you win the red zone battle? And so have them kick field goals, no problem. What you can't allow them to you know have be you know 100% in the red zone. You know, you need to get a game where they're 50% in the red zone or less. And so this game will be one, not between the 20s. You're going to give up yardage. They're going to get yardage, fine, whatever. You got to win between the goal line and the 20. And if the defense can come up big in those situations and force field goals, that's how the Jaguars win. You know, in watching the tape, McKinnon had did a lot of good things in that game, and there was even more opportunities for him. And since then, he's become an even more prominent part of their offense. He had six for 56 in that game. I think that's something that you're going to have to try and deal with as well because he is so good out of the backfield catching the football. And, Tony, you've seen it. The Jaguar linebackers at times get lost, and that can be a concern. They did in that game as well. Yeah, it's going to be a big test for the linebackers, for Lucon, for Muma, for – Devin Lloyd, they're going to have to have their best game. Uh, they've been really good in the run game, all three of them. I think Devin Lloyd's gotten better and better, you know, you know, running, hitting. You know, he, he showed off some of his athletic ability in that game against the Chargers. Um, but it's going to be a big test for them in the past game. They're going to have to have really good days. Uh, good days. They're going to have to be sound in their zone drops or identification. Um, that's going to be a big key to this game as well. And then, of course, with Patrick Mahomes, the ability off schedule to get out of the pocket, he's kind of moving around, rolling around, throwing it sidearm, no looks, underhand. There's all that can that comes into play in this game, too, guys. Well, I still well, think uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say plastering in the secondary is important in this game. I mean, come on. That guy, we've seen it all time and time again where he escapes pressure, gets outside, or even escapes pressure inside, does one of those skip moves and fires a shot down the field. You got to plaster your guy when you're in, when you're in when you're man coverage. You better stay with him, and that's one thing they did not do in that game either. Tony is they let guys get away from him, and that was before though. Darius Williams was playing inside then. And I went back and watched it today. He didn't look comfortable. He never looked comfortable inside. He's a much better player outside. Herndon was playing outside, and re- they rotated guys in in that game. There was a, the, the Brown, the member, Claybrooks, all those guys played 10, I think, 9, 10 snaps. It's an entirely different secondary now, so I think that's an advantage for Jacksonville as well. There you have it. Keeping it real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real ingredients, award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. We'll return with social media questions, the Fanatics fan questions, and there are plenty after a Jaguars win in the wild card round over the L.A. Chargers. It's on to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. It's not designed to necessarily get to the corner. Um, It's designed against that type of defensive structure, right, the front structure. It happened to bounce to the corner. You know, that was TJ's gift, right? That was his opportunity to bounce it to the edge, and so he did. Not necessarily designed to get all the way out there, but but it just so happened that it worked because, you know, they crowded the box, they, they pinched, they, they thought we, you know, might, looking at it, they thought maybe QB sneak or some sort of dive, you know, play right there, and it, and it just so happened to go around the edge. So, it's kind of a one-and-done built for that particular structure. 
Doug Peterson on the fourth and one T formation handoff to Travis Etienne Jr. That got him into field goal range. And welcome back. It is Jaguars happy hour. It is Monday after a Jaguars win in the wild card round over the Chargers. Now it's on to the divisional round in Kansas City against the top seeded Chiefs. That's coming up Saturday at 430. Time now for the Fanatics fan questions. Jaguars fans are gearing up and saving big at Fanatics.com. Shop today. And rep your Jags here on game day and every day. Fanatics.com officially licensed everything. Well, we put the cat signal out on Twitter earlier today. Here's the best we've come up with on this Monday. Question number one at the other guy 299. At what point did you feel we would win? Um, I well, let me kind of break down the stage. I felt like we had a chance to win after we scored the late touchdown of the first half. I thought that was I thought that would change the feel of the game. Um, when they got this, when they got the stop in the first drive, and the and the Jaguars went down and scored to make it 27-14, then I, I literally said we have a ball game. Now it's a ball game. Now you're going to play, and anything can happen. And you know. And then you get into the fourth quarter, and it's you, get, you make it a one-possession game. You're like, all right, it's ours to win. Here we go. Um, and so when did I know we'd win? When the ball went through the uprights. <laughs> That's when I knew. But it stages, you could feel it coming. You know, this like you knew. I knew they had to score before the half for them to have a chance to win. I knew they had to get a stop on the first drive. Because if you don't get that drive, stop on the first drive, then the touchdown you just scored doesn't mean anything. And so I knew that, and I knew we had to score on our first possession. Once those th- three things happened, I said, okay, now we have a ball game. Let's see where this thing goes. When did you think they would win? Well, I did. Last week on the show, I locked it. So that's when I thought they'd win. I, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so did I. But that, when they were down 27 nothing, you didn't think that. No. I guess I never, I never like, I was thinking more of stages. When would they have a chance to win the game? Like, okay, you got to go score. When they scored their their last touchdowns, when I thought they had a chance. That's that's legitimately when I thought they had the chance. I thought they because you knew the charge. I, 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 you know, I, the Chargers just had this look that it was going away, and they knew it. It was like the I call it the glaze. The glaze look that Trevor Lawrence had in the first half. The glaze look Kirk Cousins gets in big games. The glaze look the Chargers seem to have it. And you could see it slipping away from them. But P, you like when they scored that touchdown right before half. That, that's when I, I knew they, they had little, a chance. Gave them momentum. That gave them momentum. That like, gave them an opportunity. I didn't, say, I, I didn't, I didn't think they would still come back and I didn't win the say game. They were going to win. But I knew that's when they had I, a chance to win. Yeah, I thought when they got when they scored the third the third touch the final touchdown. I thought that's when they had the chance they would win the game. Pretty incredible. It got done. Here's another question on social media today on Twitter at P.S. Saberalt. Is the touchdown to Zay Jones where Trevor audible to that play after breaking down the Chargers coverage one of the most impressive plays of Trevor's young career? Of course, that was the deep ball touchdown. And um, what do you think? What happened before the play? Well, I thought, I mean, you'd have to ask Trevor, but looking at the coverage you know, they had cheated the safety over to the trip side and they kind of had a loose bunch, the Jags to the trip side, and they just ran 
they ran off, the, you know, they front side, they ran off the two and then Zay just ran the deep over and that safety had too far to Derwin. run to catch up. Well, I thought, I thought Derwin James made a bad play on it, but I could be wrong. It looks like he jumps, jumps the underneath or the, the, the underneath route. If I well, go I back, that, if you go back and look at it and I can't, and I, I can't swear to that, Tony, but watching the tape, it looked like he made a really bad play on it. Cause I get your point that, that you're talking about this, the safety on the, the trip side. That's yeah. an awful lot to ask him to go over to the other side and cover that. I think Derwin James is supposed to be over there and he doesn't. So can we, do we have that play? Can we run it? Yeah, we should yeah, I think that. that's what happened. I think he jumped. Pete, he jumped the under. I think the play design is to get that safety looking up on that underneath route and then run the right. over behind it. But he should. He, he, there's no. I don't think he had any reason to jump that underneath route because it was covered. That's the weird thing. Here we go. We take a look at it. You can see him come up right there. He's he jumps the underneath route, and you're right. The safety on the trip side. That's a hard ask for him to cover an over route on a wide. You can see it here. Here, here he comes. There, right there. See our Der, yeah. Derwin James. But I don't. If you look at the the coverage design from the end zone, Pete Derwin James is not responsible for that that deep the uh, deep half. Um, I, I don't know. He, was he playing the robber coverage? Is that what he's playing? Let me see. See, they're they're in split safeties though. There's no middle of the field safety. No, but they're, they're it's a single safety. And they cheated the safety over to the trip side because all they have is Evan Ingram on the backside. Uh, there's no conceivable way in that coverage that safety can get over there and cover that. So I if I find it hard to believe that that. To it. My guess yeah, is that's why they check to it. Well, it, it was a great throw and a great play. I, he's had better throws. That was an easy throw. It's a great read, and a great audible, but he's had easier throws. I love like in the middle of the route, Zay Jones just puts his head down and is just running his full speed as fast as he can on the route, not even looking up, just going. He's gone, and then all of a sudden he looks up, the ball's there. That was awesome. Uh, let's take a look at another question. Social media. All right, at Eric M. Davenport, what are potential areas of weakness that the Chiefs have that can be exploited this weekend? Well, lack of rush aside from Chris Jones is one of them. Uh, I think, like I said earlier, I thought Legereus Sneed got tore up by Christian Kirk last time they played. They aren't great in coverage. You know, they got... They got some young guys playing in that secondary. So I think if you block them, if you block Chris Jones, you're going to move the – simple as that. Block Chris Jones and you're moving the football. It sounds simple, but that's the that's the way it is. He's a game wrecker. You block him, they're going to move the football. Well, yeah, it's, I think it's the secondary Pete mentioned. I mean, Christian Kirk had a big day against Snead. I think that's favorable. I think they're going to have trouble covering Ingram. I don't, their linebackers can't cover Ingram. They don't have a – you know – they're good at safety, but I mean, I think Evan Ingram is a matchup issue for them that you can exploit as well. Next question off Twitter today at Leland Merritt. How would you consider Walker Little's first playoff performance? Is he the little Baselli we were promised when we drafted him? If so, what do we do with Little next year? We touched on this a little earlier, Tony. What do you think? I thought he had a great playoff performance. I said it earlier on the show. I thought he was outstanding. He had a big uh, challenge in front of him to block Matt, uh, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Uh, he was outstanding. He, I mean, there's no other way to say it. He played really well. There's still things he can clean up. He's only going to get better. And what do you do with him? I think he's, you know, he's in the he's in the plan to be one of your starters next year. You have big decisions to make with Juwan Taylor. You, you got the unknown with Cam Robinson and the knee. You know, what's the severity of that? 
last time I saw him, I think he was still on crutches, if I'm not mistaken, JP. Yeah, that's when I uh, saw him in the locker room on a video a couple weeks ago, yeah. so. Yep. So, you know, you can never have too many good tackles. Just ask the rest of the league about that. Um, he, did, he did a great job. Let me ask you this, though, real quick. What if Cam Robinson's healthy? What do you do? Um, do you re-sign Jawan Taylor? I, I probably not. You probably let Jawan Taylor go in free agency. If that's the case. So somebody's got to play right tackle. Yeah, one of them do. You go figure out who. Yeah, I wonder if they have if if they had to do it all. Well, we'll see. Let's, let's one game does not make a career. By the way, let's. I mean, he's been, he's been good up until last week. He had been good. He was really good last week. Let's see. Let's see now. You go on the road at Arrowhead when you got – and granted, they're not a great pass rushing team off the edge, but Frank Clark is an old veteran, knows how to rush the passer, and Karlaftis is an, an improving young player. So let's see this week. He does it this week, then you got a pleasant problem on your hands. That is a good problem to have. Uh, a couple more questions left off Twitter today. The Fanatics fan questions rolling in at Sammy B. With the fourth and one call today, Doug said those type of plays are one and done because of the formation. Obviously, the opposition will study these and plan for it. But can they scheme other plays out of that formation that would catch the opposing defense off guard? Well, I'll say this. I mean, not knowing, you know, I'm not a big X and O's guy, but uh, the T formation, you're somewhat uh, limited in your options, I would guess, right? Uh, there's all kinds of things you can do after that. You can run trap, you can do Things. You can run a cross. You can run an old cross buck. You got the yeah, action yeah. going one way, and run the back that way. I mean, you could do things out of it. You can run an option. How about handing it off to the up back and uh, to one of the tight ends, and then run an option the other way? I mean, you could. There's a yeah. lot of pitch it. You could. There's a lot of things you can do out of that. And, and watch and the old single wing tapes. You could get a lot of creativity out of it. Let me tell you what. Peterson's one of the most creative play callers in the NFL. Love. He can figure it. out a bunch of things he could do up that. No, and here's the thing we haven't talked he's, about. He's a fantastic play caller. This is teacher versus pupil this week, Andy Reid, Doug Peterson. And you see a lot of Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, how he, he designs the offense and calls plays. And you, you mentioned and, – And Andy Reid has one or two a game where I'd put him on the list as well. But it's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, one more question. Social media, and we'll wrap it up for the day. This is at JCPX. What's changed since earlier in the season when we didn't know how to win, losing by one score in multiple games, to now being a team that doesn't know how to lose? I said it earlier. This team needed to learn how to win, and I actually had people like mock me about, what do you mean learn how to win? Where they go to winning school or whatever? No, my point is you get in those situations – you understand what it takes. You're a young team. Um, it's growing pains. And they learned what it means and what it takes to win close games. And unfortunately, we had to lose about five or six of those to figure it out. It's part of the process. And when you have a veteran coach like Doug Peterson, who's a calming influence and has been in big games, who's won a Super Bowl, and he has a really good staff around him that have been around a long time in this league, um, I mean, I, I don't think Mike McCoy gets enough credit for the job he's done as the quarterback coach, and he's a great influence on Trevor as well. Um, and Press Taylor's done a great job in partnering with Doug on designing the offense. So they got a good staff, and young teams need to learn, and they learn through the you know 
and they had their growth pains, but now they understand. And, and a lot of it is just belief. It's amazing what happens when you believe you're going to win. It, when you believe you're never out of a game and you're going to make the plays that it's going to take to get, to go get a W. And this team now has that. They have that belief. They have that confidence. And that is something that is invaluable because you feel like you're never out of it and that you deserve to be in the situation and you're going to find a way to win. Baltimore. That's when it, that's when it started, Baltimore. Don't you believe it? That's that's the one. And they learned how to win. And Tony's right. He's spot on. You got to learn it. You got to believe it. Until you believe it, there's always doubts. You know, they're always going to have doubts. Now, if they get down 10 nothing at Arrowhead, they can sit back and say, hey, we came back from 27. Now, it's a tougher team. It's a tougher place to play. But for us, but but they can come back. So I, I'm, I'm with Tony. You got to learn how to do that. By the way, JP, you left one question off. What was that? You guys had the Waffle House after a huge playoff comeback win. What are you ordering? And this is what JP said. Double patty melt plate scattered covered top capped what in the hell is that so as uh, the hash browns are scattered uh, covered is cheesed uh topped is chili and capped is mushrooms you, you know what i was gonna say uber eats <laughs> i love i love waffle house i'm getting i'm getting two i'm getting two waffles two waffles crispy i want them cooked a little extra I'm gonna I'm get a side of, I'm gonna get a uh, then I'm gonna get a side of two scrambled eggs with um, hash brown smothered covered, no cap. Pete, what are you getting? And um, I, I I'm with Tony with the the crispy waffles. I love them. I could eat waffles all day. Um, by the way, uh, Trevor Lawrence celebrated his victory by going to Waffle House. He did. Yeah, he in, in an entourage. <laughs> it was great. A bunch of Jags, a few, play, a few players looked like they were there, their families, all that. Cool. You know what everybody, you know what everybody around the nation said? That is so Jacksonville. <laughs> you know what? I, mean, I love it. Don't that's care. That's who we are. Yeah. Don't like it? Too bad. And what else is open at 2 in the morning, Pete? I mean, what do you want? I'm not, I don't know if it was 2, but it's late. Uh, isn't, it, it used to have, I remember back in the day, it used to have, uh, what was the crystals used to be open all night, didn't it? <laughs> Maybe it still is. Yeah, I don't know. But I'll never forget we got we got home from a West Coast preseason game on the, we played San Francisco. We landed like at five a.m. and my first stop out of the airport was at Waffle House right there on the corner, um, and just went to town. <laughs> right there on the airport road, there's one, right? Yep, right there. Yeah, I know exactly. By the way. Mondavi hasn't sent us any wine, so maybe Waffle House could send us some food. Yeah, great. Send me some crispy waffles. I want crispy waffles. <laughs> maybe we could do this show of the off season from different locations around town. <laughs> there you go. I like that. There you have it. Fanatics fan questions are in. We're back with a look at the divisional playoff schedule, and we'll hear from the kicker who made the game winner. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The Cowboys game was definitely a big game, and I think we really needed that game. So putting that one into overtime, um, that field goal was really big. And uh, But to win it back in college uh, against uh, Houston for my senior year, my last game at home, that was, a, that was a big moment, and that was kind of our rival. So that was that was huge. That was a lot of fun. Uh, this is this is pretty sweet, though. Playoff game at home, like, doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, you dream of stuff like this as a kicker. I'd say... 
A playoff game, one on a field goal with no time left. Jaguars get it done. They're on to Kansas City. That's Riley Patterson, of course, Jaguars kicker. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Vaselli, and Pete Prisco. All right, let's uh, review the games of Wild Card Weekend. Uh, the 49ers blew out the Seahawks 41-23. Seahawks were in it for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, Pete, they weren't. It was over in a hurry. Yeah, Brock Purdy's pretty darn good, man. I, you know, Tony, I know you know his family, and uh, uh, he's playing some really good football, man. Give him credit. I, I, he had some tough uh, going early in that game, but there's another kid that responded to it and played well in the second half. Yeah, I think, Pete, he has the benefit of having one of the most friendly quarterback systems and coaches in the NFL. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's a master and he has a ton of talent around him. Best left tackle in football. Debo Samuels, maybe the best slot receiver. One of the best backs out of the backfield. And Christian McCaffrey as George Kittle, who's the, you know. And Ayuk has emerged as a big league. play receiver, too. Yep. And But with all that said, that's great. But you know what? Trey Lance couldn't do it. Um, right. Not at the level Brock Purdy is. You got to give Brock Purdy a ton of credit. Because he's smart, smart man. and he goes to his progressions. He's more, he's more athletic than he gets credit for, and he is really accurate. He doesn't have the biggest arm, but he has an accurate arm, and uh, he is playing so damn well. Yep. And then yesterday, three fantastic football games. We start with the early matchup, the Bills outlasting the Dolphins 34-31. Uh, boy, what a game this was, Pete. Incredible. And the Bills did not play very well. Let's be real. I mean, they they had a ton of yards, and you look up, and they're losing. Uh, it was not a good performance by them. They had a fumble for a touchdown. They had a punt return set up points. Uh, they had an, another interception set up points. But the big play, and, and Mike McDaniel's done a great job with that team, and to have them competing in that game with a third-string quarterback is really impressive. But you're winning. It's third and 19. You're backed up on your own Run the ball. line. Run the ball. Or throw a bubble screen or something. Get out of there and punt the ball away. Why would he allow him to throw an interception in that spot? That was a terrible decision by Mike McDaniel. But you don't put the quarterback in that situation. If Buffalo doesn't straighten things out, and one of the things they're going to have to do better is rush the passer. They did not rush the passer very well on Sunday. That's a big problem with them. Yeah, I think rush the passer, Pete, and Josh Allen, who I love, is I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league, but he's got to be smarter with the football. I mean, there's I mean, you're up seventeen nothing. What do you, you I mean, come on, you gotta be smart. Don't do anything to let that team back in. So I think ball security, good decision. Josh Allen's gonna have to do a better job if they want to move on. Second game of Sunday, the Giants over the Vikings, 31-24. Daniel Jones over 300 yards, and he's running all over the yard as well, Pete. Making a lot of money right now. I mean, they're going to have to keep him. They're going to have to pay him uh, or franchise him, one or the other, because he's playing so well. Give Brian Dable a ton of credit, what he's done with that team. And they're not unlike Jacksonville in terms of what they do offensively. They have, they're so creative with what they do and how they get guys open. And he's got two, one guy he picked up off the street at wide receiver and Darius Slayton, who was a later round pick playing starting wide receivers and they're getting open. Uh, and I think that's a tribute to him, but Daniel Jones playing well on the flip side, Minnesota's defense is a disaster. 
I mean, they are they were bad all year, and they were terrible on Sunday. And Kirk Cousins is fourth and eight, and you dump it down to the tight end. What in the hell was that? Terrible. Hey Pete, who's that? Like, I guess he's a tight end. Eighteen for the for the Giants. No, he's not a tight end. He, you know who he is? He's Isaiah Hodgkins. He's from. He's from – his father played for the Rams. James Hodgkins was a, a fullback. He played at Oregon State. So I, we watched – I watched him in the Pac-12 a lot. He, he went to Buffalo. Buffalo didn't have room for him. They released him. They put him on waivers. But Dable and the GM were both in Buffalo when he was there, and they decided, hey, they released him. Let's make him a player on our team, and they did. He's a good player, man. He made some big-time plays. Big-time plays. All right. He's a, if he's not a tight end, he's a big receiver, I'll tell you that much. He's a big receiver. And then, of course, the last game, we touched on it briefly, the fumble return by Hubbard of 98 yards for the what proved to be the game-winning touchdown. I forgot it was that early in the fourth quarter when that happened, 11-39 to play. That was the deciding score, 24-17 Bengals. And, by the way, if you want a bastardization of clock management, take a look at the end of that game. I mean, my God, what are these, these guys are, John Harbaugh is a Super Bowl winning coach. What the hell was he doing? They got a first down with about a minute 40, I think, and, and had two timeouts. They took one home with them. What were they doing? They ended up throwing a Hail Mary. What in the hell were you doing? Um, just a, it's a how not to do at the end of the game. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And they still almost caught the Hail Mary, but. What I didn't like about that game, at the end of the game, after the game, what was J.K. Dobbins doing? If we had Lamar Jackson, we would have won. Don't throw that kid under the bus. The kid played his butt off for you. That was bad. Yeah, I think in the, if the Bengals moving forward, you got serious offensive line troubles. Three of your starters are out. Uh, Williams, the left tackle, dislocated his kneecap. That means he's Can not he playing play this week. Can he play with that, Tony? Can he play with it if they brace it up? Can he play with the dislocated kneecap? They're talking about him playing. I've I've done it twice, Pete. I I could not have played, and I felt like I had a pretty high uh, pain threshold. Um, I couldn't have done it. Okay. There you have it, the games of – I guess it depends on the severity too, Pete. I I mean, maybe it's – you know, maybe it was – I mean, the first time I did mine in college, mine popped out and stayed out. I mean, they had to come on the field and – pop it back oh. in and i mean my knee swelled up the size of my thigh and the second time i did it which you were there at training camp i knocked the cartilage off the back of my kneecap so they had to do surgery to go remove the pieces floating right. around in my knee joint so i could uh, so now if it was you know if it, it was a subluxation where it went in and went out and the sweat they could minimize the swelling yes then i think there's a chance but he's not going to be a hundred percent. And so are you better off with the, you know, the guy that rolled out there, uh, right. but they have offensive line issues and, and they're going to have to figure that out. Now, Buff- like you said, Buffalo struggling to rush the passer. So maybe it won't hurt him. One more game in wild card weekend. It's Monday night playoff football. The fifth seeded Dallas Cowboys with a turnover machine. Dak Prescott facing the goat Tom Brady in the fourth seeded Tom Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The winner gets a trip to San Francisco. Who you got in the final wild card game quick. I'm going with the Cowboys. I think their pass rush gets the best of uh, – I know Jensen's back, but I think their pass rush gets the best of Tom Brady. Nope. The GOAT 
moving on, but it's not going to matter because whatever team wins is going to get smoked in San Francisco next week. <laughs> yeah. What about what about your lock for yeah, this week? Yeah, how about the surprise lock? lock? What do you got, Tony? I'm not going to lock win, but let me tell you this. It's going to be a one-possession game. I guarantee it going into the fourth quarter, and if the Jaguars can get one stop of Mahomes, they win. Yeah, your head's... That's what I get. Well, if, if they do this, if they do that, then I might lock okay, it. Fine. It's not really you know a lock, what? but if they I won the game, if they got with one possession. Repeat from 96. Oh lock it. Jags win. They're in the AFC Championship. And then wow. I'll tell you about the Super Bowl after that. Well, I can promise you there's not a double lock this week. <laughs> <laughs> no double lock. Well, we got the Vaselli no lock. But not the not the Prisco double lock. That was a rare bird. I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is gonna be a close game. It's gonna be a great game. I think the Jags compete all day long, and I think it's gonna be one of those nail biters, game winning drives. It's gonna take definitely Maybe high scoring. Maybe it's a field goal, but they're gonna win. Definitely high scoring. I think they'll compete too, but they're not gonna win the game. I think it'll be high scoring. All right, guys, have a great week, Pete Tony. We'll talk to you. Pete Pisco, Tony Baselli out of here. Thanks to our entire crew, Joe Fortunato on the audio side, Brent Reber, David Cho on the video side, Kate Waske handles our ad placement, William Pease handles our podcast for our entire crew. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. <laughs>